You are listening to the podcast of Providence Church in Austin, Texas. We hope this message raises your affections for Jesus and helps you live out the gospel in everyday life. I know it's a few months off, but as a kid, there's something really magical about Halloween, right? I mean, for starters, there's all of this really good candy, right? You sit down with your brothers and your sisters after you've gone trick-or-treating, and everyone takes stock of of what everyone sort of brought in, and then you begin trading uh, for some of the best uh, pieces of candy, which, by the way, I think we can all agree is Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. They're the best. Uh, But the real magic of Halloween was getting to dress up as your favorite character, right? Getting to put on this costume and getting to be someone else, even if it's just uh, for uh, a night. And every year as Halloween uh, was approaching, when you're a kid, your mind began turning, right? What am I going to be this year? Uh, I remember uh, this one year, my brother and I decided uh, to be ninjas. Uh, And so we had these full-on, completely black, head-to-toe ninja costumes. And, uh, And the night before Halloween, we decided this year we're really going to get into the spirit of Halloween. And so we said, uh, let's put on this costume, let's try it on, let's make sure everything uh, fits. Uh, And you know what? I'm going to get my my mom, Lisa, into the spirit as well. Uh, My mom at the time was was taking uh, graduate classes, and so she was arriving home uh, really late that night. And we had this house where there there was the house, and then there was a detached garage. And connecting the two was this little picket fence and a little walkway in between them. And so, like any kid would do, right, we, we jumped up, just like ninjas, on top of the garage, and we waited for our mom to come home. And she got home, it was pitch black at night, just as she got to the picket fence, we jumped down, all ninja-like, in our full black costumes. Uh, and she, uh, I think as you can imagine, really took on the Halloween spirit in that moment. Uh, It was no coincidence that we ended up with a few extra chores uh, that night. Uh, Nevertheless, I think there's something that we all love, even as adults, about dressing up uh, as someone else. Uh, Last week, we started a new preaching series in the book of Genesis, uh, looking at the lives of Jacob and Joseph. Uh, The first five weeks of this series are focused on uh, the life of Jacob, Uh, and the last five of the series are going to be focused on on Joseph. And so today we continue our look at Jacob. Uh, the story of Jacob is, uh, I think, really intriguing and compelling uh, in so many ways because uh, I, I think we all relate to the fact of looking at the Bible and looking at these characters in the Bible and just finding them really uh, to be unrelatable heroes of our faith. Uh, but as we've already seen last week and as we're going to continue to see with Jacob, he is this very relatable human character. And in many ways, Jacob's story uh, is our story. Uh, His family and relationships are messy, right? They're not perfect. There's a lot of dysfunction taking place. And much of that mess and dysfunction in Jacob's life is because of Jacob. Uh, As Todd mentioned uh, last week, Jacob is not uh, a weak man by any stretch. He he tends to want to keep to himself, but he's, he's tough and he's calculated. He's someone that you better account for. Uh, Jacob is quick uh, to take matters into his own hands, and he oftentimes leaves a wake of destruction in his path. And all of this 
is going to be on full display uh, in our story today as we come to Genesis chapter uh, 27. Uh, Jacob dresses up like his brother Esau. He deceives his father and he steals the blessing. And so uh, let me set the scene uh, for you here. You guys all remember uh, Abraham, right? Father Abraham. Well, Abraham has a, a son named Isaac and then Isaac has two twin boys, Jacob and Esau. And as we saw last week in chapter 25, when Jacob and Esau are born, God tells Rebekah and Isaac that the older Esau will serve the younger, Jacob, which was a really big deal uh, because in that day, the firstborn was always the one uh, to get the birthright. Always, uh, he was the one who the family looked to and depended on. Uh, and so the firstborn, right, he was the chosen one. And when God chooses Jacob, and we saw that in chapter 25, it was a total shock. Uh, not only because it was so countercultural, uh, but also because when you look at Jacob's life, it's far from anything deserving of grace. And now we get to chapter 27. And Isaac, the father, is getting very old. And his health is failing. He's blind. He can't see anything. Uh, his firstborn, Esau, has naturally been his favorite all along. And so he says to Esau, he says, go, uh, go out hunting and, and bring something back. Prepare me a meal and I'm going to bless you. But uh, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, overhears this conversation uh, and she favors the younger son, Jacob. And so she uh, comes uh, to Jacob and she says, look, I'm going to prepare a meal for your father. And so you go dress up like your brother and we're going to go in and we're going to steal the blessing that was reserved for your brother Esau. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a ridiculous plan to me, right? Like if someone came to me with that plan, I'd be like, wait, what? You want me to dress up like my brother? Are you, are you kidding me? Right? This is, it's ill-planned, it's deceptive, it's risky, it's dangerous. And yet Jacob, for some crazy reason, he goes through with it. And so uh, I know we just read it, but I want to I go back through this story just so you can uh, really get familiar with the details. And so look back on at verse, at verse 18 here of, of chapter 27. So Jacob went into his father and he said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. And then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. And so he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. And then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. And so he brought it near to him, and he ate. And he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. And so he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, 
See, the smell of my son is as a smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father Esau, his brother came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father, and he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? And he answered, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. And then Isaac trembled very violently. And he said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. It's a story of great dysfunction and deception. And underlying this entire story is this theme of blessing. Did you catch that? And so today, I want to look at three aspects of blessing. We're going to consider the power of blessing, the problem of blessing, and the promise of blessing. The power, the problem, and the promise. And so let's start with the power of blessing. Uh, when, I, when I read this story, when, when I hear it, you know, the first question that I have uh, is, what is the big deal with this blessing? Why does it, why does it matter so much? When Isaac uh, realizes that he has been deceived by Jacob, right, and he's rightfully furious, like, why doesn't he just take it all back? It would, it would have been so easy. But what does he do? Right, he gives in. He says, yes, and Jacob shall be blessed. Esau then comes in, as we just heard, and he's in tears, and he pleads with his father to bless him as well. But Isaac says, I'm sorry. I already blessed Jacob. There's simply nothing I can do. I think, to me at least, it sounds really odd. Like, what is this blessing all about? What is the big deal here? Uh, I think this um, idea of blessing is really hard for us uh, to understand in our day and our uh, culture because we tend to think of blessing as simply some nice words, some nice platitudes, right? The Lord bless you. Uh, But in the Bible, blessing is incredibly powerful and significant. Biblical blessing is connected to the power of words that have the ability to form not only your identity but also your future. Listen to this quote from Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann who uh, wrote a commentary on the book of Genesis. He said this about the power of blessing. This narrative assumes and affirms that spoken words shape human life. Language is not simply an exercise in propaganda and manipulation as it tends to be in our modern, modern world. Words here are not a matter of indifference which may be attended to or not, as is convenient. Here, when words are spoken by authoritative persons in proper contexts, they have substance. They mean what they say. 
they must be handled with respect, for they are means toward life or death. Words have power to form and shape us. As we speak words to others, right, we have the ability to, uh, to shape people positively and negatively. We have the ability to speak words of blessing or words of cursing. As we receive words from others, words of blessing, words of cursing, those words can shape us in powerful ways. Most of you can probably recall a time when uh, words were spoken to you, uh, words of encouragement, words of blessing. And as those words were spoken over you as they came into your life, right, they helped form you into the person that you are today. At the same time, many of you can very quickly recall someone who spoke very hurtful words to you, words that wounded you, words that have formed you in ways. Words have great significance and power in our lives. I was reminded of that this week. Uh, My oldest daughter, Ruby, she really loves puzzles, and she's really good at them. And so uh, I got her this uh, puzzle this new one, and we were sitting down uh, to do it, and uh, I was helping out a little bit, but it was mostly just kind of watching her, and, and she kind of got like a few pieces together right real quick in a row, and I was just trying to encourage her, and I said, oh, babe, way to go. You were so good at puzzles. You were, the, you were the best at puzzles, right? And she just stopped for a moment. She looked up at me with a big grin on her face, and she said, I am, right? <laughs> I was reminded in that moment, our words are powerful. The blessing that we're talking about here in Genesis 27 is the blessing of a firstborn. And the blessing of the firstborn meant uh, that you received the largest portion of the family inheritance. You were the one responsible for carrying on the family name and legacy. And so it's really important. Uh, As the father, you you would tend to greatly favor the firstborn and often neglect the other siblings because all the family's hopes, all the family's dreams were riding on the firstborn. And this is the dynamic that we see happening with Jacob and Esau. Esau was the firstborn. and So Esau was the one to receive the inheritance. Esau was the one to carry on the family name and legacy. Esau was his father's favorite, the one who pleased him, the one who gave him joy. The delight of a father is so very powerful. And Jacob desperately wanted the joy and delight of his dad. Now, I think it's really fitting uh, in God's great providence that today is Father's Day. And so dads, uh, I just want to encourage you uh, as a son, as a fellow dad. It is hard to overstate the incredible blessing that our words uh, of affirmation have on our kids. And it's really also hard to overstate the terrible damage that can come from not hearing words of affirmation, particularly words from a father. You see, while words from a friend, words from a mentor can certainly have an impact on your life, they certainly can melt your heart, but words from a father can powerfully shape the course of your life. Uh, When Jacob goes into the tent, literally clothed in deception. And what we see is a son's desperate cry for his father's approval and delight. It's a need deep within Jacob's soul and heart. 
And so when he lies and he says, I am Esau, your firstborn, he's basically saying, Father, I should be the firstborn. I should be your favorite. Be pleased with me. Delight in me. And it's in this very raw moment when Jacob's desire, when Jacob's cry is the cry of every human heart. We all want blessing like the firstborn. We all want someone who, who favors us, who loves us, someone who is pleased with us, someone who delights in us. Every one of us deeply longs for this kind of blessing. And the simple truth, the truth that Jacob realized far better than we do, is that we cannot bless ourselves. Right? We need someone from the outside to bless and shape us. Uh, Tim Keller says that you need someone who is beautiful to tell you you are beautiful in order for you to feel beautiful. You need someone who is good to tell you you are good in order for you to feel good. And you need someone who is smart to tell you you are smart in order for you to feel smart. The power of blessing is that words have the ability to form and shape us. We all desperately desire blessing from someone outside of us. It's a deep need within our hearts. And like Jacob, when we don't get it, we often resort to taking matters into our own hands, which brings us to our second point, the problem of blessing. So, as we read in the story, Jacob does get the blessing from Isaac. And he gets it by dressing up and pretending to be his brother. It's such an, such an ugly picture of deception and selfishness. It's incredibly low. Right? Jacob is, I don't know about you, but I, I just find him so unlikable in this story. I mean, who does this to their brother? Who does this to their father? Jacob essentially gets the blessing by covering up who he is, by being someone that he's not. And the more I thought about that this week, the more I realized, despite my initial shock and distaste, I'm actually not that much different than Jacob in this story. You see, Jacob knew that if he goes into the tent as himself, he will never get the blessing. He knows that that if his father knows it is him, if his his dad knows it's Jacob, he's going to be rejected. And Jacob simply cannot live with the fear and insecurity of not getting his father's blessing. And so, he covers up. I think we all carry around us some level of fear and insecurity that if people really knew who we were, they would reject us. And like Jacob, we dress up as someone else to get the blessing and the approval of other people. Uh, we see this in all kinds of ways. We see this in dating, which I think is really obvious. Right? So much of dating is putting your best foot forward, right? trying to present yourself in such a way that the other person will like you. Uh, I've done a little bit of marriage counseling, and one thing that I've heard a few times is, man, this isn't the person I married. Right? And in that moment, I'm thinking, no, this is, this is exactly the person that you married. 
right? Because now you're actually uh, being your true selves with one another. Uh, This is the essence of social media, as you all well know, carefully deciding what I let others see, right? Letting them see uh, a certain image of me, right? From a certain angle with a certain light, all so that others will get a particular impression, a particular image of me. Uh, Some of you do this uh, with your jobs. Uh, Some of you have taken uh, a job that you knew you didn't like, that you knew you weren't uh, going to enjoy, uh, all for the purpose uh, of uh, presenting yourself in a certain way, all to get the approval of of your parent or maybe uh, your friends or maybe your colleagues. Uh, We do this even uh, at church, performing certain religious activities in order to present ourselves as good Christians, all the while covering up what's really going on inside us. We're really no different than Jacob. We we hide up, we cover up who we truly are. We dress ourselves up and talk a certain way and present ourselves in a certain way. We want to have people look at us and say, wow, that's a person that I want to I look up to. That's a person I want to be like. Right? If, if my life only looked like that, then I would get the blessing of God. Then I would get other people uh, to like me. And the problem with blessing is that when you try and take matters into your own hands, when you cover and dress yourself up as someone else, it brings all kinds of destruction into your life. And we, we see that here uh, with Jacob. Right? It ruins his relationships. It destroys his relationship with his father Isaac. He's furious. He's shaking. It destroys his relationship with his brother Esau. His brother Esau basically commits in his mind that he's going to kill Jacob. You see it later with his uncle Laban, with his future wives, with his future children. When we portray ourselves as someone that we are not, we can never have true and deep relationships. Constantly covering up, being someone that you're not, it's exhausting. It comes to a point where you you even lose your very sense of self. And again, we see this with Jacob. When when Jacob goes uh, into the tent dressed up uh, as Esau, his father says to him, who are you? And in that moment, Jacob covers up and he lies. Isaac then asks him, how did you get this food so quickly? And again, Jacob, he covers up and he lies. And then one more time, Isaac says to him, uh, are you really my son? You, you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. Are you really my son? And once again, Jacob covers up and he lies. One lie leads to another. And as Jacob will discover later on, Covering up is exhausting, even when you get what you want. It must have been so bittersweet for Jacob to get, these, get this blessing, to hear these words from his father, finally, these words that he so desperately wanted, but knowing that they were meant for someone else. Like the need for blessing is powerful in our lives. But the problem of blessing is that when we try to secure blessing on our own, right, it's, it's impossible. It's exhausting. So what do we do? Well, Jacob, 
Jacob is so hungry for blessing. Uh, in many ways, his entire life is one of striving after blessing. And, and what Jacob needed all along, what you and I need, is the promised blessing that God provides. It's the promised blessing that God provides. And, and, and I want you to hear this, even though you've, many of you have heard it so many times, time and time again. What is this promised blessing of God characterized by? Grace. God's promised blessing is characterized by God's sovereign grace. We see a hint of this in our passage. Right? When Isaac finds out that he's been tricked, it says in verse 33 that he trembled violently. Right? How angry Isaac must have been. How, how hurt and wounded he must be. And yet the words that come out of his mouth are yes, and he shall be blessed. Why does he respond like that? I've wondered that. Commentators say that uh, this response from Isaac is, is not a response of resignation, but rather a response of humility. Humility in accepting God's message all along. You see, Isaac knew what God had said. Back in chapter 25, the older shall serve the younger. God had had chosen Jacob at birth, and Isaac has been fighting against it the whole time. But finally, when Isaac is tricked into blessing Jacob, he realizes that he cannot prevail against God. So Isaac is humbled in this moment, and he learns this very powerful lesson of grace. God blesses those who are undeserving. God blesses those who are undeserving. God, he blesses those who don't chase after him. Jacob is chasing after all the wrong things, and yet God blesses him. Jacob stands out as someone who is just completely undeserving. You read this story, and it's like, yeah, you know what? I see why his father favored Esau. Jacob is not likable here at all. You look at someone like Abraham, who definitely had many failures, but he was also characterized by by great faith. And there's so many times when you're reading the story of of Abraham's life, and you like him. You look at someone like Joseph, who we will get to later this summer. And Joseph has great integrity, even in the midst of of a large amount of suffering in his life. And and he's a very likable person by and large. But with Jacob here, there's just not much to like. He manipulates, he cheats in order to get his own way. And yet God chooses him and puts his promised blessing on him and on his family. That's what's so scandalous about grace. God blesses those who are undeserving. God blesses those who who resist him and those who are not even searching for him. And then after they've received the grace, they're not even grateful for it. And God still extends grace. How can that be? How can that be? And the answer is that Jacob is not the true firstborn. The answer is that God's promised blessing did not find its ultimate fulfillment in Jacob. 
Centuries later, Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham and and the seed of Jacob, is born. Colossians 1, it was our call to worship passage today. It says that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. When Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River, we're told that the heavens opened up and a voice came down from heaven, and it was God. And he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased it's as if God is, the Heavenly Father is just bragging to everyone, the entire world, about how proud he is, how much he loves his son. And Jesus, who has the blessing of the firstborn, who has the love and delight of his Heavenly Father, he shares that blessing with his brothers and sisters. He gives it away. You see, Jesus the true firstborn, in whom the promised blessing of God finds its ultimate fulfillment, went to the cross. And as he took on our sin and our judgment, we're told that he lost the blessing of the firstborn and that instead he was cursed by God. Galatians 3 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And Jesus dressed up like one of us to take the curse that we deserve so that we, when we believe in Jesus, are dressed up in his righteousness. Isn't that great news? We receive the blessing that Jesus deserves. And now, through Jesus, we have the love and the favor and the delight of God the Father. That is the promised blessing of the gospel, and it will transform your identity and your future. This uh, undeserved blessing, this undeserved love and delight, uh, it's one thing to hear about it. It's one thing to, to learn about it. But it's a completely other thing to experience it. And so my prayer for you today is that you would experience God's delight in you through his son, Jesus. That you would hear the voice of God so clearly saying, you are my beloved son, you my beloved daughter, I am so pleased with you. When God's promised blessing sinks into your life and you experience it, you will no longer need to cover up in order to get blessing. You will no longer rise and fall with the praise and the criticism of others. When you experience God's delight, when you are secure in his love, when you have been transformed by God's pleasure by his delight in you, by his sovereign grace in your life. You can then stand firm and bless others with that same kind of grace and love. And so again, my prayer is that the undeserved delight and favor that's only found in Jesus, may that fill you with wonder, may it fill you with joy, and may, you, may it propel you to be a blessing to others. Would you pray with me? Thanks for listening to the podcast of Providence Church. For more resources and info, visit us online at www.providenceaustin.com.